This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. I'm joined today by Alistair Lukies, Prime Minister's Business Ambassador for Fintech and founding partner at Motive Partners, and John Glenn, Economic Secretary and City Minister. Welcome. Good morning. I wondered if perhaps for our listeners, John, you could introduce yourself and a little bit about what the Economic Secretary role entails. Well, I think the Economic Secretary role is one of the prized jobs in government. I've loved the job. I've been doing it for eight or nine months now. It's one of the ministers in the Treasury, obviously, the fourth of the five. And it has a very wide range of responsibilities. I I deal with banks, insurance and financial services, hence I'm called the city minister. But I also deal with financial inclusion, which is the most important part of the job for me. And then I get involved in debt financing and fintech, green finance. It seems to be an endless range of responsibilities, but it's a, it's a great privilege to do this job and I'm enjoying it very much. John, hi, it's Alan. Thanks again for sparing the time. And let me also say what an honour it is for all of us to serve you in your current role. You and your team are bringing a new level of energy to the role. We all know that after 2008, we needed a group of people to look forward, not backwards, as it relates to financial services. And I think that's definitely what's happening. So thank you again. I've had the huge honour of being involved in the rent recognition challenge. Yeah. Um, so I sort of feel I'm very passionate about it. But I think if you wouldn't mind, could you just explain to our listeners what the rent recognition challenge is and also how it came about? Why did government decide to do such a a sort of revolutionary thing? Well, thanks, Alan. Thanks for your kind words. I think the reality is that financial services in the UK and across the world are changing rapidly. And fintech is really important. The coming together of our world leading status in terms of finance with the revolutionary opportunities that technology bring. And the rent recognition challenge was the government's response to really a market opportunity stroke failure where the poorest and most excluded from some financial services products weren't able to verify their creditworthiness. So it was really an attempt to say, well, what, what, what is out there? What innovation could we see that could find solutions to this problem that Poorer people can't show that they can be eligible for a loan or a mortgage. Mm. So in the budget last year, we launched this 2 million challenge fund and it offered grant funding to leading fintech firms to develop solutions to this problem. And we went through a process which you've been very involved in to verify different options. And we came out with three winners, which will now enter the market and provide that solution that so many people need. And I have to say... The government's approach to this, the kite mark, the support that your involvement has given to these small organizations and therefore indeed the industry is really transformational. Were you pleased with the response from the industry? Were you pleased with the response from these technology companies? Well, underpinning our approach was a sense that the market would provide the solutions. Mm. The instincts of this government is to say, look, we are world leaders. We've got some brilliant innovators, some brilliant entrepreneurs. And we wanted to facilitate the market finding a solution. And that's what happened. And the three winners that came out, Credit Ladder, Rental Step and Bud, have come up with some fantastic products that will achieve the objective. And I think sometimes the instincts of government can be, well, how can we regulate? How can we manage? How Mm -hmm. can we produce a solution? 
And in this case, it's proven once again that that hasn't been the best way to do it. The market has come up with a solution and it will help the people that we intended it to help. Yeah, brilliant. And and as you say, this sort of Trinity, I mean, when I travel the world and and everyone says, how have London, how has the UK created this kind of essence, this this right touch regulation environment? And, you know, as if we've stumbled upon it, lots Mm. of thoughts gone into it. And I agree with you, this Trinity of government with right touch regulation, enough carrot, enough stick, you know, incumbency, a big financial services industry, but then these innovators like the ones you've just mentioned, Mm. all fusing together to come up with solutions mm. is the model. And, and on that point, on the broader fintech, you know, mm. do you believe that fintech can have a wider role in financial inclusion and helping people to get on a level playing field in a truly global way? Absolutely. I mean, at its core, fintech provides an opportunity to bring together innovation in financial services with innovation with technology. And bringing those two together gives people access. There are great companies out there and I've enjoyed meeting firms over the nine months in the role. Just last week, I was in Edinburgh mm. looking at fintech Scotland, and I hosted a round table. And I saw companies like Money Dashboard, which helps consumers manage their money by integrating their bank accounts into one place. I also saw sustainability, which helps people to automatically take roundups as micro donations on consumers' everyday purchases. These innovative companies reflect and respond to the aspirations often of the young generation mm. who you know don't want to wait days or weeks for answer from perhaps traditional financial services providers mm. they want answers on their phone immediately and they want you know greater transparency about where their money is being invested so i see more and more innovation coming and i see that transforming consumers behaviors and I think it's a real challenge to the big incumbents mm. to say, well, how are you going to meet these expectations? Because if they don't, then customers of my generation and behind me will move to other providers. And that is healthy competition. And the Treasury here is thinking about how we can facilitate more of that, because in the end, it's good for UK PLC, generates revenues, generates IPOs mm. and value to the economy. Great point. And we'd love to talk a bit about where we all see fintech and particularly what you and the government are doing to ensure we don't rest on our laurels. I mean, when you look at the fact that we now have $2 trillion tech companies mm. over on the West Coast, and as the Prime Minister spoke about earlier this year at Davos, yeah, they have a responsibility as well mm. to the world. You, If you have a billion people using your technology every day, you're the size of a continent. So yeah, how do you see the government's role in making sure we keep you know the essence right the fusion the balance between big and small and old and new and also Mm. most of all protect the consumers well i think there are big challenges in terms of taxation Mm. of big technology companies and i understand those that say my high street's very different to where it was 20 years ago and it's simply because people are you know using amazon and they then legitimately point to the different tax take of Amazon based on their volume of sales. These are issues that the Treasury takes very seriously. So I'm not saying that we sit here saying, let the market determine everything. And there aren't sort of adverse consequences that need to be examined carefully. But we need to have a global response. And we need to you know, think carefully about how we continue to take the lead with that. But on the fintech strategy and the future... I think we've established since 2010 the FinTech Delivery Panel, which is a forum tasked with driving forward these industry-led initiatives. But it's also important that we allow the regulator to be involved at the earliest possible stage. So we've given the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, 
a strong competition objective. And they've established an innovation hub and a regulatory sandbox. So these new ideas, these new fledgling companies can talk to the FCA and understand what's expected. We set up the new payment systems regulator just three years ago in 2015. It's the first of its kind in the world. And that is really important to open up access to payment systems. So the government is flexible. It's hoping to be you know, responsive to the changing needs mm. that it sees in the market. But we also recognize there are international obligations. So we want to see more bespoke bilateral arrangements, which we call fintech bridges. Mm. We've got those with five international jurisdictions at the moment. So it's important that we also recognize that this isn't just about looking after domestic consumers. It's about being ambitious to have global partnerships, global financial partnerships. And fintech has a significant role to play in those. If you break down Commonwealth into two words, Commonwealth has to be our objective Mm. for everyone, doesn't it? That's a very good way of looking at it. And I think that if you look at the growth that you see, I'm going to Malaysia, Indonesia and Japan Mm. at the end of this month. And if you look at the growth rates in those economies, three, four, five, six percent, and you think of those growing middle classes and what their appetites will be, then we've got to be really engaging with those governments and those countries to say, well, how can we maximize the economic opportunities for young entrepreneurs in the UK in the fintech sector who would obviously be keen to engage with those increasingly wealthy consumers in those countries. Well said. And, and this fourth industrial revolution is you know, truly global, <clears throat> truly borderless. And you know, the UK has played a pretty big role in the previous three. Um, it all comes down to standards and it comes down to collaboration and 10% of a big number being a lot better than 100% of nothing. Well, that's right. And you know, in August, I participated in the economic financial dialogue with the Chancellor, with the Brazilian government. And they were very keen to engage with us on our approach to green finance, to understand the regulatory standards that we have and to work with us. And we shouldn't be shy in recognizing and acknowledging the world-leading role that our regulators have and that the policy-setting frameworks that come out of the Treasury have in setting the standards for the growth Uh, responsible growth in these businesses. Yeah, well, John, thank you. I'm going to pass back to Sam, but as you very eloquently explained, you know, government dropping pebbles in the pond and then providing platforms for the industry to go and do its work Mm. really is a a model that we're very proud to be part of. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. And just to round up on the rent recognition challenge, a small shout out to the, the partners who supported it. On the legal side, there was Hogan Lovells. And then on the communications uh, marketing side, supporting the winning companies was ProSec Partners. Mm. So big thank you to them. We normally like to end the podcast with a lighter mm. question, something that perhaps you could help guide the listeners on. Many people through their careers have mentors and, and role models. Mm. Have you had any and, and who have they been and, and why? Well, I've had a number at different stages. And there's people I admire. And I mentioned um, James Dyson, who's one of those people who's sort of has a quality of absolute focus and determination, believed in a concept and took it through and has now had significant rewards because of it. I might not agree with him on everything, but I certainly respect his uh, entrepreneurial zeal and success. But I'd like to mention a good friend of mine who I've known now for 15 years, a guy called Dr. Norman Fraser, who is not a well-known individual, but actually has been involved in two billion-dollar businesses and is now hopefully on his third. He is somebody who 
I think as one of the rare qualities of actually having self-awareness and, you know, in the last one that IPO'd a month ago, IPO'd in the States, you know, he stepped back from that some years before, recognizing that he had the quality of an entrepreneur, but perhaps not one to scale a business. You don't see that very often. And I think that um, he's somebody who I think a lot of, who's achieved a lot, but has a degree of humility about him, which is sometimes unusual. But, you know, I try to learn from all the different people that I meet in this job. I meet lots of very impressive individuals who are leading financial institutions in this country. And, uh, you know, my job is to support them, to learn from them and to take their ideas so that the government can be responsive and helpful to the economic growth of this country. Thank you very much. Uh, I know our listeners will be Googling Dr. Norman Fraser uh, immediately after they hear this. a good man. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.